Thanks, Tim. I think I'm on. How's it, guys? It's lovely. No one says hello at this place. Um, <laughs> I've just turned this thing around, and um, I hope it's still fine, but I've barely could breathe through worship. <laughs> so it's a relief to feel like I can breathe while I speak. But um, yeah, it's wonderful to be with you. I love, I love traveling to speak. And um, this traveling was just down the hill. But um, as Ross always says, when he comes up to us, he makes all these jokes about what he wears. And mine was the same. It was so easy to dress for this because I thought I can sort of wear what I wear on a daily basis. There's, I don't have to put on my heels to come to like trendy Florida Road. <laughs> Could wear my tackies. Um, and I packed in my leather jacket only to get here and realize that it was still like 17 degrees higher than it was in Kloof. <laughs> so anyway, lovely to be with you. And um, I'm excited to be speaking into this series. And it's um, my husband and I actually listened to this unhurry um, John Marcoma's um, sort of podcast series. And if, you, if they haven't mentioned that part yet in this series, there is a whole podcast series on it too. Um, and we listened to it during COVID, and it's just been so incredible going back into that content. And I sat in church this morning at home listening to our service and knowing that I'd be speaking into it in this space too. So, yeah, it's an exciting series to be speaking on. Um, I'm going to be sharing tonight on, I'm going to pull it into this series, but I'm going to be speaking mostly on the concept of peace. So when originally I was given this topic to speak on about a year ago in Kloof, um, all I could think of was that they had to ask like the most unpeaceful person <laughs> to preach on peace. Um, you know, you get those really like peaceful people, like Sherry's like kind of one of them. You know when like people are in your presence and they just like... You just feel like you can breathe. I'm like the furthest thing from one of those people. Um, I lecture in, or did for years, lectured in psychology and at university level, and you get your students review you. It's mo the most horrendous day of the year when students get to comment. All the students here are giggling, knowing what they write on their things, like, I want to see you in a bikini. It's, it's very mature. <laughs> but, they, but one student literally first year wrote, he wrote on his comment that when I walk in the room, he gets traced. <laughs> and it made perfect sense because I would fly in there, you know, in my rush and be like, hey, what subject is it? Where are we going? You know, and pull out my notes. Um, but God's taken me on, on such a beautiful journey since then of, of really trying to understand this term peace and to understand what the word says about peace. And so tonight, what I'm hoping is that by the time that we leave here, that all of us will realize that peace isn't for the peaceful person, but that it's for you. That it's for you in your now. And I'm going to look at my notes because if I don't, you could still be here tomorrow morning. <laughs> um, I'm one of those. So I googled the, the word peace. And um, when I googled it, this was like I'd written the sermon and at the end, sitting on my, we call it the quiet time couch, which means the children can't talk in that room, and we have quiet time there. <laughs> it's a good idea if you don't have one, but we are sitting on my quiet time couch and Google the word peace, and this is what it says on Google. If you Google it, the first word says tranquility, okay? It makes perfect sense. I could imagine myself on a Greek beach, you know, tanning and just so peaceful, and the very next sentence, I don't know if this is just my Google because it knows me, or if it would be all of you too, but it said, he just wanted to have a few beers in peace. <laughs> and mine would have said wine, but they, they put in beers. But isn't it funny, guys, that we, we laugh at this, yet so many of us have adopted this type of thinking. We've started to trade 
God's view of peace for the world's view of peace. And we say things like, oh, I just can't wait for December holidays. We just need some like peace in our lives. Or I can't wait for Friday and we just need like a peaceful evening. Or we make comments as if peace was a reward. Like I've worked so hard this week, I deserve some peace and the moms are all like nodding extra. <laughs> but, but I deserve it as if it's something that like follows something else. And yet the word is so different to this idea. I'm just gonna quickly find my, my place. So I'm reading here from John 14. It's not gonna, not gonna be on the screen. This is just one short scripture. Um, and it says here, I'm leaving you with a gift. This is Jesus speaking. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. He says it's a gift, and yet we think we can earn it. And a gift isn't for the one day. A gift isn't for the I worked so hard and then I got it. I know being a parent how a gift is something that, you, that you're so excited usually to give. And he doesn't, when Jesus speaks, he doesn't say like, I give you a gift for on your birthday. He says, I just, I just give you this gift. And he said, peace of mind and heart. And I have a background in clinical psychology and I'm gonna go into a bit of that in a bit about how the brain actually works and where does peace actually fit into this picture of mind and heart. But I want us to pause on that, on that concept of it's a gift. Now, if you're anything like me, you might be sitting here going like, sure, that's, that's, that's really nice that it's, that it's a gift. But maybe, um, especially, I know this is usually a, a younger service, but if you, if you do have kids, you might be able to giggle at this, at this meme that I read. So I've got a five and six-year-old. Um, but when they were a few years younger, I read a meme, and I'm not a big like meme person, but my husband's a very big meme person. And he sent it on to me, and it said, I've heard it takes a village to raise kids. Um, mine haven't found me yet. Does anyone have their number? <laughs> And I mean, we chuckle, but perhaps like me, you sitting here going that peace is a gift. That's great. Okay, okay. so what do I do? Because it doesn't seem to have found me yet. And at this time of year, I think it couldn't be more prevalent, especially following the past few years that we've had, where we've come back into a year that's felt 50 times more hectic than anything else. Um, that perhaps you living going like, I just have to get to December, or I just have to get to Friday, and then we backtrack to peace as a gift. We're going to sit today in Jeremiah 29. Mm. And so when I say Jeremiah 29, what, what comes to your mind? Verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you. So that's most of us. And that's amazing that we pull these one scriptures out and go, I wrote a whole devotional doing this, so I'm not judging you, but going one scripture like I know the plans I have for you. But when I sat with that verse recently and I said literally to the Lord, that's great. Who were these people that God wanted to speak to about the plans that he has for them? And so I backtracked and I studied Jeremiah, and I sat with Jeremiah. Well, that would have been cool. I sat in the book of Jeremiah on my quiet time couch, and, and I started to understand what this picture looked like. And this is where we're gonna sit today. And hopefully, 
perhaps it's the first time that you're going here too. So we're going to read it first, and then I'm going to unpack it for us a bit. Can I ask um, if someone, oh, there's time up there, because I'm not very good at this. I always don't wear a watch. Um, I mean, to these types of things when I should. Okay, so now I'm not even on the right verse, so let's find that first. Um, cool. Okay, so I'm going to start Jeremiah 29, verse 1. Let me give you background here first quickly. So first verse, it says, Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people. Okay, so he's not writing a letter to like your average person down the lane. He's writing to the godly within his sort of circle. Okay, the elders, the priests, the prophets, and then he says, and everyone else, who had been exiled. So they had been actually sent away to Babylon. All these godly people sent away, and this is who he's writing to, Jeremiah being the prophet. Okay, I'm going to jump a few verses, and we're going to come in at verse 4 after it says that he's writing this letter. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that they may have so that for them, so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because, dreams because they are telling lies in my name. I have not sent them. He then goes on and says, for I know the plans I have for you. And I know in the um, New, uh, yeah, New King James Version, it's, in my Bible it says, um, New Living Translation, that the plans for good and not for disaster to give you a hope and a future, a future and a hope. But in New King James, it says to give you peace and a hope. So I'm going to go through this first, and then I'm going to actually tell you a bit of my own story. So um, if we can go back, back one section. So it starts by saying that you find yourself in a land ruled by people that, that you don't trust. Okay, and if you look into this a bit, there was a lot going on there, a lot of unethical business going on. And instead of God saying, so flee and seek out peace, he doesn't. He says, so plant gardens and plan to stay. God doesn't believe that peace is the absence of discomfort. God doesn't see them as opposites. He says, plan to stay, plant gardens. And I don't know about you guys, but he, he says plant gardens and then he says like, and watch them grow. And I've tried those things. We actually tried to plant another 16th veggie garden today. We'll see what happens with this one. But plant gardens, watch them grow and then get the fruit from them. That's a process. He then says, marry and have children. Now we're looking at generations. And then he says, and then let them have children. Again, God doesn't say this drama of living in exile is going to end. He doesn't say that. In the very verse that we all claim as the plans that he has for us, God doesn't say, and I'm going to pull you from the hardness. He doesn't. He says, be there. Be there in the hardness. Have families. Raise them up. Let them raise up the next generation. Plant those gardens. 
I'm going to go back. It says, eat the food they produce. I mean, this is hard work, what he's, what he's saying here, um, if you can get your garden to that point. And then he says, and this for me is just, as South Africans, I think this is like one of the, the verses that perhaps hits me hardest, and now I can't even find it. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you. Work for the peace and prosperity. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. For its welfare will determine your welfare. As South Africans, guys, how often do we find ourselves believing that if this all just ended, you know, then we could finally be at peace? or that all our problems would be solved, and yet, and we're not judging you going to the Netherlands if that's where God's calling you. <laughs> I just happened to catch the hour while saying that it was a bit inappropriate. And I look at this side of the room now. Um, <laughs> now I'm teasing. But, but it's not that. It's just that so often, so often, we try to exchange sort of what the world's trying to offer you with what God's trying to offer you. And yet God wants to speak into your now. He wants to speak into that storm. He wants to speak from Jeremiah. He spoke into these people's life within exile. And he said, live, live properly, live fully, believe that you're there to stay. And he said, because I know the plans that I have for you and they're good plans. And those good plans might not be to pull you out of exile right now, but they're good and they're for now. And peace is a gift. Um, three years ago, I was on a run and I tore the main muscle down my glutes. I was training for a big uh, sort of long um, stage race, trail race. And um, running had always been my sort of life pre-kids. And then kids came and then it took a couple of years and I, I really thought that I'd done it well and slow. Um, but I tore this main muscle and it's not a common muscle to tear. This was on June 19th, July 19th, 2019. Um, and it's, it started off as a running injury, and so I thought that I was just going to recover and hopefully be better in time for Atta. And I did my therapy and went to physio and all the steps that you take. And by the December, I could barely walk at all. So this went from like thinking it was a running injury to maybe not such a running injury, with pain literally just shooting down my legs. Um, and... This continued, I started to sort of go downhill in terms of um, my mental space, especially, um, and my peace started to disappear very quickly, at least what I thought peace was in, in those days. Um, and by the July, so by that next July, so this is COVID year, 2020, um, so it was a year since this had happened, this glute injury, um, I had gone so far down that my bladder actually seized up completely. And so I was taught how to self-catheterize. And so I lived for the next six months after that, um, self-catheterizing. At that stage, I'd seen, by about like November 2020, I'd seen about 17 specialists across our country. And, and everyone found something wrong with my body, which now I know most of us have something wrong with our bodies if you go for enough MRIs. But they never found maybe the thing that was actually making my bladder stop and my tummy extend and not being able to walk. Um, and when you've got like a three and two year old and it's locked down, it's rather hectic when you can't walk. Um, and and the, the year continued and there was one specific moment that I will never forget where 
it was we, our cell group had a normal sort of cell group meeting and I'm really not a, a good cell group person. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good at standing on the stage on Sunday and if cell group was at 6 a.m. I'd probably be there. But 7 p.m. by then I've been in my gown for about three hours. So <laughs> I, I don't, yeah, it's, it's very difficult to get there. But, but I got there and, and that night in particular, I just... I was just so desperate for God to heal me. I just, I felt like, and, and as someone once said to me, it was like you were gonna achieve your healing. I felt like I'd done everything to deserve to be healed. Like I'd trusted God with everything and I believed it fully. And again, my soul group laid hands and again, we did our thing. And one of the girls in our soul group, who's very shy, and as you can see, I'm not, and, and she was, is, is a very shy and introverted girl, and she literally stood like in the middle of our group in their lounge, put out her hands, and she was like, guys, Caitlin doesn't have faith for this, but, but I do. Like, let's pray over me. Um, and, and I know you want me to say so badly that I was healed, but I wasn't. And again, I went from being like up here and believing that my healing would, would give me peace, <laughs> that if I could just be healed, then all would be fine again. Um, but I wasn't. And this process continued. And unfortunately, by, gosh, a year later um, from that, I was now going into this year living on sort of two and a half years of living with chronic pain. I can't walk more than sort of 100 meters at a time. Um, and, and I've really trusted God. But what God did do is that when I was at my absolute lowest, and that was the end of 2020, about August 2020, when I hit my absolute lowest, I got to a point where I almost reached the, the end of myself. And it's an interesting place to be when you have nothing left to offer. When you feel like everything that you got at, that you think God's called you to be and do and you just, you just can't do anything. And you just sort of sit on your bed all day and that's, that's the best you've got for the world. And, and God met me in that quiet, really broken space. And he started to speak to me and all I did every day was I just started reading my Bible. It became this like thing that that's what I did. Um, and by the end of that year, I, God literally through a number of different things, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but um, gave me all these visions and pictures and, and brought so much purpose into my pain. And God showed me through that experience, and it's something that I will never forget, and I, I trust will mark me for the rest of my life, is again, is that healing was never going to bring peace. And I think so often we think, oh, but if God would just heal that person, then like everyone would believe. But read your Bible. It didn't work like that back then. And it's not gonna work like that now. God doesn't do things in exchange. That is not the God that we serve. God, thank you. God, God wants to give us these gifts in our pain, and yes, he wants to heal me, and I claim it every day of my life, and I'm doing so much better, and they found what's wrong with me, thank the Lord. So I've got a damaged nerve down my side, so I get it blocked now every six weeks. Um, but, and I'm due for one now, so I was sitting a lot probably during worship. Um, but I, I, God will heal me, and I, and I trust for it every day, so please don't think I sometimes when I speak on this, people come up afterwards with their healing teams. You can send your healing team. <laughs> but, uh, but that's not what this is about. This is about that whatever it is that you're living through right now, God's not waiting for that to end before he shows up. 
He's not waiting for the end of this story. He's not waiting till you're out of depression or debt-free or stopped smoking or whatever your thing is that you think God will then, then God will step in. That's not the God we serve because it's not about us. God wants to bring his peace to you right now exactly where you are. I said I'd I'd touch on on how the brain works and the way that, well, what our brains do is that, so in cognitive behavioral therapy, which is what a lot of um, clinical psychologists will use as their sort of model, um, the belief is that everything starts with a thought, which leads to an emotion, which leads to a behavior, okay? So always thought first, and then what you feel. So you think that it's random that you sat where you sat today, but it's not, It's not random. You think you just felt like sitting there, but it never is. Your brain goes through a process and often it's subconscious. And so perhaps your brain said like, oh, it's a topic that I'm actually really needing today. And so your brain was was processing that back here, or maybe it was like, oh, you didn't even feel like being here today, and so I'm gonna sit at the back. And, and so the feeling followed, but always thought first, always. Thought, behavior, I mean, thought leads to an emotion, which then leads to a behavior. And I think for the most part, if you were to go out into the world and ask people where peace would fit into that picture, most of us would say emotion, that peace is an emotion. We say like, I just felt so at peace. And so I knew, and you can say that, don't not not say that because you can feel so at peace. But what you're saying then is it's something that can change, that, that peace followed the thought. In other words, like I had this mindset and then I felt at peace and then the peace went away. But the peace of God doesn't do that. The peace of God is not something that drifts. It's not like frustration or anger. And God gave me this picture when I was working through this sort of concept and working out in my clinical psych brain where peace fits into. God gave me this picture of this umbrella and I've, I've now sort of, I change the, the sermon a lot every time I speak on it, but say I've done it like, close to 10 times around the country, this sermon, I've taken my umbrella to one um, <laughs> with the plan to take it to every single one. <laughs> so everyone has to put their hands on top of your head like this, please, because it makes it a bit more exciting if I don't have a real umbrella. I want you to imagine that this is an umbrella and that the umbrella that's, that's sort of over your head, you don't make it too small. <laughs> I'm teasing, but the umbrella, some people don't like umbrellas, I think. He hasn't shaved his armpits. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> they smell. They smell. They smell. Put your hands down. <laughs> you smell. Um, <laughs> and the girls you haven't shaved, I shaved today to make sure. <laughs> um, but, you yeah, know, in the bottom half of my legs. <laughs> no, I didn't know what I was going to wear, but I usually do that. But this umbrella, the umbrella fits over the top of these three things. God's concepts don't fit into our little world. We can't box God's peace. God's peace isn't fleeting. God's peace doesn't change. God's peace fits over your picture. It fits over your thoughts. It fits over your feelings. And it fits over whatever you do with those feelings, your behavior. And so when the storms hit, this umbrella is there. And so, yes, you feel the rain, but it's just not as hectic. And yes, you feel the wind, but it's just not as hectic because his umbrella is over you. And so you will still walk through that storm. It's not like having an umbrella suddenly takes away the rain. It doesn't, but it's like 
a totally different experience. And that, guys, is the peace of God. The peace of God is for every situation. And the peace of God is a habit that we can start developing because we have access to it. We've just got to claim it. We've got to claim it and we've got to speak it over ourselves. We've got to play that worship until we literally are like, okay, I'm soaked in this piece because I can tell you right now that my emotions are not okay and yet somehow I'm okay. And that's the God that we serve. He doesn't fit into December holidays. He doesn't wait for the end of of your story before he shows up. I've had a few experiences in the past few weeks, and just while I was driving here now, I I thought that I have to talk about one, but I don't even know which one, so we'll just see which one comes out first. (laughs) But I felt so so in the peace of God. And, And I think what happens when we do this, guys, when we sort of start walking under this umbrella, which is basically the spirit of God and and claiming that every day is that we start to see God show up as faithful in every situation that we're in. And, And now I'm leading into one story, so God's maybe choosing which one. But I had such a hectic experience this last Friday now, like two days ago. So I was driving my son to school and I am driving along on our normal road. We go to school at a different time every day because he's little and you can do that. So until eight, he can get there. And sometimes we walk the dog before and sometimes we don't. We just sort of see. So this day, what I'm trying to say is it's not like I do this every day at the same time. But this day, I happen to be driving along at half past seven on our like mainish sort of road. And the car in front of me, out of nowhere, we're going around a bend like this. And the car in front of me suddenly like goes into the other lane and I think like, oh, she's on her cell phone like me, and is going to swerve back. And instead, she just like keeps going. And this car slams on brakes, and she sort of keeps going. She hits a fence, then she like bumps over a whole lot of bumps, and then comes flying back up and lands in the road across. This is a busy, hectic road, but no one hits her. It just like was the most freaky thing to watch. Her car was fully written off though. I stopped my car exactly where we were, left my child. This is like so typical me. Leave the keys, leave the child. Like, doesn't matter if the car and the child go, we'll go help the lady across the road. And anyway, run on over and I try to get out. I can't because her door's like knocked in and it's all, um, we had to end up taking off the, this door to try and get her out. But she took down, her, put down her window. Airbags have popped out and I'd never sort of seen this firsthand. Um, and all she said to me was, my baby, my baby. And I said, where? And she said, in the back. And I ran around the car and I opened the back door, which was fine. And these like fumes, apparently airbags do that, um, like hit me and it was hectic smoke. And like, and I just unclipped this baby, three months old, and the mom had fallen asleep. And to know what the best part was, is that I got it. I just got it. I'm a mom. Gosh, I could have fallen asleep so many times in those early years. And I got to sit with her for like half an hour on the side of the road. And, and so many men stopped, which, is, which was so cool. Please stop, men. Like, it was just so cool. I like got all emotional every time the next guy stopped. Because it's just cool if we can unhurry and actually just live present. But that's what it is, guys. I think if we can live under that umbrella, if we can be like, okay, God, so you're going with me in my day, and that doesn't mean my day is going to be easy, or it doesn't mean that the rain's not going to come, or that the storms aren't going to hit, but, but I'm going to be okay. There's something different that I'm going to sense and be. 
And it's such an incredible flowing that happens. They, they talk about in the world this like whole concept of living in flow. Have you all heard that? Like being in flow. When are you in flow? It's like, what do you do when you, things come easy? This is it. Being in God will put you in flow. You will just flow. And you will flow in Him. And I got to minister to a random girl on the side of the road with my four-year-old on my lap, five-year-old on my lap. And we just sat with her for like half an hour, her bawling her eyes out, me telling her that this could have been any of us, and how much God has a plan for her and her little boy who slept until she left with her husband, three months old. God does. He does have that plan. But we've got to slow down enough to, to, to see these moments. Guys, when it comes to this idea of peace, and I think this is where I'm going to move into sort of a, a ministry moment now, is I want to challenge you today to exchange your view of how you've been seeing peace for how God sees it. That you'd exchange sort of buying into the world's, um, what the world's been selling you um, on, on how, life, how life would get easier as a reward, and that you'd buy into that as your now. And what I can tell you is that that shift is not going to be easy. But as you start claiming that, and as you start speaking it, and gosh, guys, I had a, an ugly situation happen yesterday, very uncomfortable, like, you know, those like anxious, ugly things that sometimes happen in life. And it threw me completely, and I literally went for a bath, and that didn't help, and then I got out, and I was sitting on my bed, and I just said to my husband, I just don't know, and he said, should I pray for your sermon tomorrow? This is him trying to be kind. I was like, babe, this has nothing to do with my sermon tomorrow, but that was very nice of you. But, but I claimed that peace, and I love how God does that. He always humbles you just before you're about to put it out into the world and reminds you how much you need it. And I claimed it, and I claimed it, and I claimed it. And I sat there, and I washed in it. And I said, God, your peace is for now. And guys, he says his peace, we say this all the time, his peace surpasses understanding. What does that mean? It means you should not understand it. If you understand it, it's probably a feeling and not the umbrella. You shouldn't understand it. It shouldn't make sense, but, he, but it's a gift. I'm going to read that verse again before I'm going to pray for us. And again, I haven't looked at the time. Um, so I'm reading from, it was the first verse that I mentioned, John 14, 27. It says, maybe let's close our eyes. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going again, but I will come back to you again. Father God, thank you that you say that that where your spirit is, that there is freedom, Lord. And so, Father, the first thing we want to do tonight is just to take a, a deep breath. And guys, I encourage you to do that. To take a deep breath and to, to step into that freedom. Father, forgive us for 
for taking on the world's view of peace, for believing that we could work for it or that it was a reward or that it was for one day. Thank you, Jesus, that you promise your peace for right now and that it's a gift. And so it's unearned. And so no matter what our behavior or what's got us into the situation that we're in, your peace is available. If you feel comfortable, you can just put out your hands in front of you. Jesus, we receive your peace. We receive the gift of peace that surpasses understanding. Thank you, Jesus, that peace is not the absence of chaos or discomfort. But instead, Lord, that the peace of God is this umbrella. And I pray, Father, that you would just pop up that umbrella above each of us right now, Jesus. That we would start to wear it in our day. That we would speak it over ourselves, Lord God. That we would take this word as truth and that we would start to apply it to our minds and to our hearts, Lord. Thank you that it's not fleeting. It doesn't change. It's something we can reclaim every minute of the day as our hope rests in you. And thank you, Father, that even if, even if we're not facing a storm right now, thank you that your peace is available for past storms and for future ones too. And I pray that this would, this would start to become a conviction in our hearts, Lord God, that we would, we would become comfortable to claim that gift that you've given us, Jesus, that gift of peace of mind and heart whatever the situation is that arises. And thank you, Father, that from that place of, of living in your spirit and, and with your spirit, Lord, that we would be able to live, to live these unhurried lives, Lord, where we can just flow in you and where we more effectively learn to love on people and learn to be your hands and your feet in this world that so desperately needs you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Amen. Bet you'll never see an umbrella differently again. <laughs> differently the same. Listen to me. Um, guys, I'm going to love and leave you and, and let you go. Um, but thank you for, for being here this evening. And I, I really do, and I will continue to pray for you. Um, so know that, that you being covered. I think there's nothing better than knowing that 
um, that God actually loves you. You, not, not like the collective body. He loves you and his peace is for you. Um, so go out and know that it's, know that it's yours, um, that he planned, he planned all this knowing that it's for you. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks.